God takes everything that we have and he keeps that which is eternal and he discards that which is temporary. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembree. I'm Janice. And welcome to Bible Discovery TV, a program about the Bible, going through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Every year we're doing that. And this is our 33rd year. We're going to talk about John 15 in about two minutes. It's going to be a really good time. So stay there because we're going to have a chance to study together. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I'm also taking my cues from John chapter 15 today, but I'm going to be taking a look at ancient vineyards. Ryan? Today I attempt to solve an alleged discrepancy between the Gospels of Matthew and John regarding who it was that carried the cross of Jesus Christ. Yeah, a lot of people are really, really uh, stirred up about that and trying to figure out things. But anyway, Janice, go ahead. Standing with or abiding in Christ. All right, stay there. Open up your Bible guide. Let's look at today's scripture and hear what God says. John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. John chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17, as we study through this gospel, it is absolutely amazing. You know, when I was young, I remember waiting on the Lord on my knees as we went to the front, the altar at the front of the church, seeking deeply after God to do His will and not my own will. And that was a real struggle for me because I was young. I was 15 years old when all of this was taking place. And I never was satisfied and thought that I had missed the will of God. I was an active young man, and the need to make decisions came before I felt that my prayers were properly heard or answered. and jump at things. Well, today, at the age of 62, I can tell you that God did hear my prayer, <laughs> even though it took me many years to figure that out. And in our reading today, our assignment today, we learn that while Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he is speaking to us as well. The Lord begins to call us out and talk to us about how we can interpret what he has said. The first verse is amazing. Jesus claims, I am the true vine, 
and my father is the vine dresser, John 15, 1. Now, this means that we and our lives are the work of God. We've given our lives to him. The Lord continues to guide and direct us as we move forward. When we set our minds to seek the will of God, he will help us to fulfill that goal. Even if we're impatient and got to get this done, got to get that done, all that. I know what that's like. Believe me. Yet God has a way of working with us. God has a way he loves us and he has a way to teach us and show us. And I wish that I would listen more. I really do. And in the last three years of my life, I've been doing a lot of listening to the Lord. It's been great. Take your Bible guide and turn to Seeking God's Will. John 15, 1 through 8. Seeking God's Will. And this is important because we're coming off of John 14 and we're on chapter 15, God speaking to his disciples. And if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go there, click on it. It'll take you to a page for donations. I want to say thank you for your donations. We very much appreciate them here and the Lord's work as we go forward and we do his word. We present his word every day to you. And uh, as we focus on this, we need to pray. Lord, help us to listen to your word and let it change us. Because we need changing, Father. We're human beings and human beings don't have the right attitude. But somebody who has you in our heart has the right attitude. So help us, Lord, to hear you today. In the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we said together, amen. Let's look at the scripture this is absolutely fascinating. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, Jesus says. And my father is the vine dresser, Jesus says. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, now this is important, that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, this is fascinating. God takes everything we do and he keeps what his will is and he removes what is not to help teach and grow us. Our life is consistently learning and changing as we follow the Lord. Isn't it amazing because as we go along in life, we figure, okay, Lord, that's fine. We're going to do your work and do your will, and then we're going to rest and take it easy. No, that's not what the Lord does. The Lord helps us to understand that he guides us and shapes us and forms us into what he wants to do. And that's challenging. I mean, the Holy Spirit is all powerful, but very disciplined to keep us focused on him as we seek him. Isn't It would be nice if, if it said, now the Lord, the ones that bear fruit, the Lord says, ah, take it easy and relax. But no, the Lord doesn't. There is no word for retirement in the Bible. Interesting, isn't it? Well, let's go on because this is something. 15 verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. 
nothing. Without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them together and throw them into the fire and they are burned. God is our ultimate source of strength, my friends. God is our ultimate source of strength, beloved. We can do nothing of eternal value unless we follow Jesus Christ. Somebody asked me once when I was young and we were having a youth meeting and, and the youth pastor, and he said, um, you know, what is it you're going to take to heaven with you? And I thought about it and I thought, wait a minute, what am I going to take to heaven with me? And then he said, let me ask you another question. What have you done today for eternity? And I thought, well, I got myself something to eat, but that's not eternal. I, I went to the store, but that's not eternal. And I started going through this and I realized God aims our life and takes us and teaches us to understand what it is to build his kingdom. His kingdom is not on this earth. His kingdom is not of this earth. His kingdom is coming back to this earth. And you need to come to know Jesus if you don't. But that's something we need to pay attention to. Because the Lord is aiming us and guiding us. John 15, 7 through 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask for what you desire and it shall be done for you. But that's only if you abide in him. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You see, when we live for God, our desires belong to him. <laughs> Living for God with his word in our hearts grows his fruit and glorifies God in our lives. Did you understand that? Living for God with his word in our hearts grows his fruit, and glorifies God in our lives. It doesn't glorify us. You know, we don't build our own life and so we can be big and strong and people can make monuments to us. And it's not why we do that. Who is it that must be seen in your life? Who is it that must be seen in my life? The Lord Jesus Christ. He has to elevate and we have to descend. That is the way it is. And that's the way, that's why the Bible says that if you come to Christ, reduce yourself and humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. Because when Jesus Christ is risen to worship, then he will grab us and hold on to us and we will follow him. Thus the word Christian. Very, very important. We'll talk more about this on the next program. So keep that in mind. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Here in John 15, we see Jesus giving his now famous uh, teaching 
on the true vine, how he is the true vine. His father is the vine dressers. And if we were, were the branches and if we remain in him, we will bear fruit. And of course, Jesus is tapping into uh, an image uh, of a vineyard that goes well earlier than his days physically on earth. Probably the people in his hearing would have instantly thought back to the prophet Isaiah, who uses this image of a vineyard quite often, uh, specifically when it came to the judgment of Israel, how God planted a vineyard and took care of it. But then when he went to harvest the grapes, he realized that they were bad grapes. Uh, they, they, they were wild. They weren't the kind of cultivated grapes that he thought that he had planted. So Jesus is picking up here on a theme. Let's take a look at vineyards and wine, uh, you know, this, this, this cultural element that's been used in the Bible over and over. The importance of vineyards and their produce to ancient Israel is obvious. In the Bible, wine was widely used in the religious offerings of the law. Vineyards were a common analogy used by the prophets of God, and a grapevine and cluster were brought back to the Israelites as evidence of the fruitfulness of the land before the conquest. Overall, grape production was a large part of the agriculture and society of ancient Israel. Generally, grapevines were cultivated on their own, apart from other fruits and vegetables. There were, however, private orchards and royal gardens that grew grapevines with other fruit trees. These pleasure gardens were generally located close to a home or within a royal city for immediate access to fresh fruit and a beautiful space to relax. The bulk of grapes and their products were cultivated alone in vineyards. Depending on terrain, vineyards could be right next to cities or quite far away from settlements. They could be irrigated or depend solely on rainfall. They could be walled or left unprotected. The prophet Isaiah famously described the founding of a vineyard. His process includes preparing the ground, likely by uprooting plants, bushes, and trees, and clearing stones, then planting the chosen vines, building a wall or fence, probably with the stones removed from the vineyard, watchtowers were added for extra security, and a wine press was cut out of bedrock to process grapes into wine. Due to growing conditions, separately owned vineyards with their own walls could exist close together, which would create narrow pathways for travelers, just like what's described in the Balaam incident and possibly even the lion attack against Samson. Inside the vineyards, grapevines could be allowed to grow on the ground, or to make for easier harvesting and upkeep, the vines would be trained up poles and trellises. When harvest time came, it was cause for great celebration, especially the first usable harvest, which wouldn't have occurred until the fifth year of production for law-following Israelites. The crop of the first three years was to be left, and the fourth year's crop was given to God. Harvest time meant fresh grapes, wine, raisins, vinegar, and a type of grape syrup. It meant singing songs of joy, giving offerings of thanks, and pruning the empty vines for next year's growing season. Vineyards, grapes, and wine were seen as integral to the blessings of God on Israel. If Israel were to reject the covenant they had with God, the loss of their vineyards and their inability to harvest them 
would be one of the consequences. On the flip side, vineyards were a vital blessing of God to be joyfully celebrated by his covenant people. This is reflected clearly in the rules for warfare. If a man had planted a vineyard and had not yet harvested from it, remember that it could not be harvested until the fifth year, then he was exempt from going to war. The fruit of the vineyard was a blessing from God to be enjoyed. So there we go. You know, vineyards and wine were such an integral part of life in ancient Israel. It was a blessing of God. So it makes sense then why not only the, the Old Testament would use this, but then Jesus would continue this teaching on into New Testament and, and the Christian era. And some people actually have seen this, and I've seen it too in the scripture, where the wine is uh, somewhat representative of the Holy Spirit. And mm -hmm. you think about that when you see Jesus' first miracle of turning the water into, as the wedding party had said, the best wine that there was. And mm -hmm. I, I find that fascinating, very interesting. Thank you, Corey. Ryan. All right, well, today we're gonna to be looking at an apparent contradiction between the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John. You see, Matthew says that it was Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross of Jesus Christ. But John says that it was Jesus who carried his own cross. So who's right? Critics of the Bible claim that the Gospels of Jesus Christ contain many contradictions. For example, it seems that there is a discrepancy between Matthew and John over who carried the cross of Christ. In Matthew 27 we read, And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Yet John 19 says, Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull. So who bore the cross, Jesus or Simon of Cyrene? First, it is important to understand the historical and cultural context. Crucifixion was a Roman form of execution in which the victim would often be ordered to carry the horizontal crossbeam, known as the patibulum, to the site of death. That site of death being outside the city where the victims would be on display for all to see. So, in fact, Jesus was required to walk with the crossbeam from his place of conviction all the way to the outside of the city. It is this journey that is the key to understanding the two passages in question. Indeed, Matthew says, Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And John records, So they took Jesus and led him away, and he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the Place of a Skull. Both of these passages describe the time at which Jesus went out of the city. But Matthew adds one other detail, namely that once Jesus is on the other side of the gate, Simon of Cyrene takes over carrying the crossbeam. So Jesus carried the cross through the city, but once he passed through the gate, Simon then bears that load. It is obvious that these gospels are not in conflict, but instead are eyewitness accounts from two different vantage points. So as you can see, there's no contradiction here whatsoever. But I know what you might be wondering. Why is it that Matthew gave the extra detail that John did not? Well, one possibility is that John wasn't in a position outside of the gate to witness that. After all, there would have been quite a crowd and it would have been hard to get from point A to point B. But all of this aside, to argue over these little things is to completely miss the point. And that is that Jesus died for us and he offers us the free gift of salvation.
He wants to save you today. So how are you going to respond? Because he's waiting. And the Lord is waiting. And how will you respond? That's that's really the question. When people watch television or they watch the internet, they're just taking it in. But how will you respond? Will you say yes to Jesus Christ? Will you, do you believe that uh, sin is de- devastating you? Because it is. It's devastated me. And the only way that I can possibly deal with this is by looking to the Lord and saying, Lord, help us. And God has already helped us. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ. That's what we're reading about today, who lived a life from 30 to 33, and he died on the cross. Absolutely amazing. And as a result of that, he rose again on the third day in the flesh, walking to Emmaus. He was telling two young men after he rose again who he was in the scripture. And so if you believe that, if you, if you need somebody to believe in, he's the only way, truth, and life that we will reach God. So come to Jesus today and say, Father, forgive me of my sin. Help me now. And I need your help. Be the Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. A simple prayer. Prayer is not complicated or, you know, it's a simple heart talking to the reality of God. That's how you do it. Thank you so much. Okay, Janet. Yes, standing with Jesus or abiding with Christ uh, is what I titled this segment today. And to be honest with you, I have a pretty much blank slate here today because this this chapter, the true vine, um, Jesus put it into such easy terms for us to understand, didn't he? We know about a vine that in order to be a part of, you know, outside of the studio here, we have a wild apple tree that's growing. And I look at the fruits that are growing on there. And if, if I were to pull off a branch and just left it aside, well, we all know what would happen over time with that branch. It would die. The apples on it would shrivel up. There, there would be no source of nutrients in order for that branch to grow. And it's the same thing with, with what Jesus was trying to get across here. How many times does he say, abide in me and I in you? He keeps inviting. He keeps saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. There is no way that I can grow an apple here without it being on that tree. Same with Jesus. This this whole concept of coming to Jesus is because we can't do it on our own. He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. He is our source. And we need to come to him. We need to be living in him, to be standing with him, to be standing on his word. It says later on, and you know, some people say, well, I can come to the Lord and I don't, I don't really need the Bible. I don't, I don't really need that part of it. It's my relationship with Jesus. Well, let me just say to you, it's, it's a whole package, isn't it? Because if you, if you take a look down at verse nine, Jesus continues and he says, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love, he says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. He's telling us, I obey. He came to do the will of the father and he did that in giving his life. That was the plan. That was his 
Father's will. Remember in the garden, he, he asked, Father, if there be any way that you can take this cup from me, but let it be your will that happens. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He fulfilled that law. He fulfilled that will, the will of the Father. Um, he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you, that we need to be in his word, in his word. And so here it is in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Some of you out there might be new to this walk with Christ and you're wondering what is she talking about? What is this? I am the vine. You are the branches grow fruit. What She's talking about an apple. Is she talking about the apple in the Garden of Eden? Well, first of all, we don't know that it was an apple. It was a fruit. I'm just using an apple as, a, as an example. But let's take a look over. If you go over just a few more books in the New Testament to the book of Galatians, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. This is what comes through living in Jesus Christ, living in his word. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These are the things that will grow in our lives as we make our lives available in Christ Jesus, in having a relationship with him, Rod, with abiding in his word. How can we know his word unless we're reading his word? That's such a big part of why we're here with this program, Bible discovery. We want to learn about what's in God's word and not just memorize it, not just know it, but have it in our hearts so that as we live this life, we know how to respond. You know, a few years ago, there was those bracelets or necklaces, what would Jesus do? Well, how do we know what Jesus would do unless we know what Jesus has told us to do? How we are to abide in him and in his word. So it's just a, a, another reminder today yeah. to everyone out there about life with Christ. So very important. We need, we need him in order to live properly, in order to live rightly, in order to live abundantly, the life that he has promised us. Our programs are available on YouTube or on Facebook, and I want to encourage you that they're there. You can, if you don't get them on the TV stations, you can get them there. I want to encourage you to go and watch them there because you can watch them in your time. And so that's really important. Let's pray today. Lord, I want to live my life to follow you. 
What does that mean? Help me to follow your teachings and not my opinions or my ideas in Jesus' name.